hell. Has there ever been someone in your life who just, no matter what, for whatever reason, wanted to make your life absolutely miserable all the time? Anybody? You got somebody like that in your life? And no, it's not the person sitting next to you, right? I've had a few of those in my life. When I was growing up as a kid, I actually got picked on a lot. Today, you'd call it bullied, and the kids that bullied me would be, you know, ostracized and and sent to uh, some foreign land somewhere. Um, But then as uh, ministry life started, uh, I've actually been called a heretic by other pastors. Yeah. They didn't ask me that in my interview for this job, by the way, um, whether that had happened or not. And by the way, in case you're getting really concerned right now, it was because we had drums in, in my church back then, okay? Uh, and then I've actually been uh, uh, told by some people that they actually hate me in life. Anybody can relate to those things? When we first came to Australia, we came in 2001 to Australia, and it was just before the 9-11 attacks uh, on the World Trade Centers. Uh, in America, and after that, in the years following that, both of my sons experienced abuse at school because of their nationality. One of them suffered physical abuse because of it, and the other son actually uh, had a friend who turned against him and said he couldn't wait until he was 18 to go join the army of his nationality uh, so that he could go kill Americans. Yeah. Living together. We've talked a lot about friends, we've talked about family, we've talked about being made for community, but today we're going to wrestle with the idea of actually living together with, getting on with our enemies. Now, some of you may be thinking, hang on a minute, I'm still struggling with the friends part. I'm still struggling with the family part. Uh, I I haven't got there yet. And now you're wanting to tell me that we actually need to get on with our enemies. Well, maybe, maybe not. You got to stay tuned in for the rest of the message. But as we get stuck into this today, we need to start by understanding what an enemy really is before we try to find out if we can get on with them or not. So an enemy, by definition, and you can go to our socials, there we go, an enemy is a person who hates or opposes another person and tries to harm them or stop them from doing something. That is the definition of an enemy. Another definition talks about it being a country that is armed against another country going uh, to war. So enemies, by definition, can be, they can be political, they can be personal, they can be systems and structures of the world, or they can be individuals. Enemies have a broad connotation when we look at the definition. So For us to understand, though, what we're talking about is enemies, we're going to look at scriptures and see how scriptures define enemies. Jesus talked a fair bit about enemies, and his early followers talked about enemies. So we're going to look to them to to try to discover the answer to the question, who is our enemy? Who are our enemies? 1 Peter chapter 5 starts us out. It says this, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. All right, so we've got an enemy there that Peter uh, identifies for us. Then look at Ephesians chapter 6. The apostle Paul wrote this. We are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, 
but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So we don't have to look very far in Scripture to realize that public enemy, number one, is Satan and his demons. Okay? So we're going to call them out right away as we get started here. And we're talking about living together. So you might suspect that I'm not going to be talking about living together with Satan and his enemies. Right? No? <laughs> See, in our culture, we don't take this part seriously enough. We, we don't really fully understand the power that is there that is unseen. The unseen spiritual darkness that is at work and working against us. Now, based on this, Satan being public enemy number one, and, and Ephesians telling us we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, some people have taken the notion that, okay, as Christians, we don't have any flesh and blood enemies. That's kind of what it says in Ephesians chapter 6. Kind of. Choosing a very specific word there, though. And Jesus said something else that's really going to blow this all up and confuse us. Okay? Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, verse 27, But to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Now, we just read that we don't have flesh and blood enemies, or we don't fight against flesh and blood enemies. We're fighting against Satan, right? So do you think Jesus is saying, love your enemies? He's talking about Satan and his demons. Anybody vote for that? No. Oh, good. Okay. You guys are well ahead of the game here. You know, when we think that we have just flesh and blood enemies, or not flesh and blood enemies, Satan is the only enemy. Think about how that plays out for you. If somebody that you're trying to get on with or you're not getting on with, that they're constantly attacking you, hating you, and all those things, undermining everything that you're doing. If you took the approach that Satan is the real enemy all the time, people are not ever your enemy, then try this on for size. Go to that person and say, you know, we don't get on and everything, but you know what? I know it's really not you. You're really not my enemy. You're just a tool of Satan. Now, you go try that and then get back to me and let me know how it worked out for you. I reckon that enemy is still going to be an enemy, and they're probably going to be even a little more ticked off at you, okay? So Jesus calls us to love enemies. We need to understand what that means. It's a very different word than the one that we used when we were talking about the devil being our enemy. This word is this. It means Hatred, hostile, unwelcome, and unfriendly. So think about people that you might struggle with. Those words probably describe those people. They're unwelcoming, unfriendly, maybe a little bit hateful to you, maybe hostile towards you. So who are our enemies? Should Christians even have enemies? We find that a little bit strange. But to understand who Jesus is talking about, we have to go back a few verses. This is verse 27 that he said that. Verse 22 of Luke chapter 6 says this. What blessings await you when people hate you and exclude you and mock you and curse you as evil because you follow the Son of Man? Jesus assumed that if you and I or anybody else were going to follow him, we would have enemies. 
okay? So don't think Satan is your own enemy. Don't over-spiritualize things and say, oh, I, I can't have flesh and blood enemies. Humans can't be my enemies. Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, you're going to have some enemies. Not everyone will like us if we take a stand and if we follow Jesus. Our enemies are people who hate us, who reject us, who exclude us and insult us because we're following Jesus. Now, it would be really, really challenging and difficult to look past some events in our state this week in our, our, the Essendon Football Club and our, our uh, premier of the state and the things that were said and the church that was involved in, in all of those conversations. When we read this verse... It is hard not to draw parallels to people being excluded, to being cursed as evil because they follow the Son of Man. Our premier actually called out Christians, and using his words, he said, Christians, they're absolutely appalling, bigots, intolerant haters. Now, whatever you think about the issues that were going on, friends, that is cursing us as evil because we follow Jesus, and it's hard to get away from that. Paul emphasizes the same truth in Philippians chapter 1, verse 29. He says, you're called not only to believe, but to suffer for him. And 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12 says, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. You know, this is not a new thing, being persecuted for faith being hated, having enemies because we follow Jesus. And Jesus even gives us some more strange words around this. He says this. He says, when that happens, this is chapter 6, verse 23, be happy. Yes, leap for joy, for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember their ancestors treated the ancient prophets that same way. Jesus says, you will have enemies if you follow me. And our enemies are those that actively oppose us. And this has been going on a long time. It's not new to you today. It's to be expected. In fact, quite honestly, we need to be concerned if we never experience people being our enemies because we're following Jesus. If we're following Jesus, he says, you will have people that are hating you, excluding you, who are persecuting you. That's part of the package. Did anybody tell you that when you first signed up to follow Jesus? No, they told you about his love and his grace and his goodness and all of that, and rightfully so. But part of following Jesus means suffering. Now, before you get on a high horse and say, all right, we're supposed to have enemies. It says we will have enemies if we follow Jesus. It does not mean we should go looking to make enemies. Sometimes Christians... Go out there and they make enemies, not because they're following Jesus, but because they're being jerks. <laughs> yeah, and you know why you just laughed? Because it's true. You know, we need to be gracious and loving and kind as believers, as followers of Jesus. That's what he calls us to do. When we have enemies because we're being loving and kind and gracious, that's great. But when we have enemies because we're just being jerks, that's not what he's talking about here. So yes, we're going to have enemies. How do we respond to our enemies? There's some common reactions. When you realize you have an enemy, here's some common ways that people respond. 
First of all, we can fight. When you find out somebody's against you, says, okay, I, you're, you're against me. I'm going to be against you. I'm going to take you on. You don't know who you're messing with. You've just wait, woken up the sleeping giant, all those things. Fight. Peter did this in the Garden of Eden when Jesus was arrested. He took out his sword and he chopped the soldier's ear off. And Jesus said, put away your sword. He, he healed the, the man's ear. Peter was ready to fight. Another response that's very common is flight. We're going to say, okay, I'm not going to fight. I'm just going to run. I'm going to avoid this. I'm going to get away from this because I, I'm afraid. Now, sometimes that actually might be a, a correct response. Even Jesus flew, fled sometimes. He, he went away from his enemies. And then another reaction that we have when we're afraid is freezing. We become immobilized. We become paralyzed and we do nothing because we have an enemy. And see, all of these are motivated by one thing, fear. Now, each of those responses could be correct in certain situations. But we need to understand that when they're motivated, motivated by... Blah, 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 <laughs> when they're motivated by fear, those responses are rarely the right response. We don't need to react to our enemies in fear. We don't need to be afraid of our enemies. Paul says that he has not given us the spirit of fear, but of wisdom and of a sound mind. Those are common responses. They're natural responses. Jesus calls us to something else. Here's the response Jesus wants us to have around our enemies. He says this. He says, love your enemies. Love them. Now, there are several words in the Greek language used for love. And Jesus is not talking uh, about a natural affection kind of love. The word storage is the word for that. He's not talking about eros or romantic love for our enemies. He's not talking about even phileo love or friendship kind of love. He's speaking of an agape type of love, which is a love that is undeserved, but the one doing the loving chooses to love anyway. That's what that word means. That's what Jesus is saying is your enemies are not going to deserve your love. They're not going to be your friends. You're not going to be romantic with them and all of those things. But you need to choose to love them anyway. It goes well beyond a feeling of love. It's not enough to not retaliate to your enemies. It's not enough just to not hate your enemies. Jesus is saying that we need to love our enemies. And the people he's saying this to, he's saying these, this to Jewish people who are under the control of the Roman Empire. They are being occupied. This would be very similar today to telling the Ukrainian people to love their enemies. Right? Now we understand what he's saying here. That sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? Would you tell Ukrainians to do that right now? Jesus would. He says, love your enemies. To people of strong nationalistic leanings, this would have sounded almost immoral, like surrendering who they actually were. Theologian G.B. Caird said this about the same thing. He said, he who retaliate, retaliates thinks that he is manfully resisting aggression. In fact, he's making an unconditional surrender to evil. See, we think fighting back retaliating is the way to go. Jesus says loving is the way to go. He says not only that we need to love our, our enemies, 
Do good to those who hate you. He says, treat them well. Be respectful. This literally means have good character. Be known for good because of the way that you treat your enemies. And then he says this, bless those who curse you. That means to speak well of them, to speak blessings about them, to say good things about them. And then pray for those who hurt you. Literally praying for their good, not praying, God, go get them. Right? We like that prayer. Pray for their good, that God would bless them. And then he says this in verse 29. If someone slaps you on one cheek, offer the other cheek also. Now, the word slap actually is more of a punch, okay? It's more, more of a, somebody's trying to knock you out. And the natural reaction when someone slaps you or punches you would be to hit back, to retaliate. James chapter 1, verse 20 says, Man's anger does not bring about the righteous life God desires. Martin Luther King Jr., who fought for civil rights in America, says this. Returning hate for hate multiplies hate, adding deeper darkness to a night already devoid of stars. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. And that comes from someone who experienced lots of hate against him to find the strength to talk about love and light. Jesus then says, if someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. Give to anyone who asks. And when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Jesus says, give freely. Give more than they're asking even. Give generously to your enemies. And then he says, do to others as you would like them to do unto you. Treat others the way that you want to be treated. There was a Jewish scholar, a rabbi and religious leader named Hillel. And he was born uh, before Christ and lived during the time of Christ, died about 10 AD, we believe. And he said this about this topic. He said, that which is hateful to you, do not do unto your fellow. That is the whole Torah. The rest is commentary. Now go and learn. You know what's beautiful about this? You notice that the way Hillel said it and all the other scholars of the day said it is they take it from a negative form. That which is hateful, don't do bad to your fellow man. Don't do bad to other people. Don't do bad to your enemies. Jesus flips it. He ups the ante. He says, no, don't just don't do bad, do good. Treat others the way you want to be treated yourself. Raises the bar so high. It was uncommon. Then in verse 32, he says this. If you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. In verse 35, you will truly be acting as children of the Most High, for he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. The way we treat our enemies as believers, as followers of Jesus, the way we treat enemies separates us out from your average, moral, decent people, right? Jesus says it's common to treat people that are decent to you decently. 
What's going to separate you out as believers is when you treat people who aren't decent to you decently. It's uncommon, but it's the way believers behave. So if we're going to respond the way Jesus is suggesting, the way Jesus is commanding, it's going to take a couple of things. We talked about fight, flight, and freeze. But I want to suggest to you that loving our enemy is going to require heaps of faith. See, when we have an enemy, Romans chapter 12 talks about it. It says, bless those that persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way and never that everyone can see you're honorable. Do all that you can to live at peace with everyone. Then get this. He says, dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. See, we need to have faith that trusts God to handle our enemies. Now, this isn't the prayer that go get them, God, stuff. But this is having a confidence in God that he is going to take care of the situation. That you don't have to engage that. We leave the battle to him rather than engaging it ourselves. You know why we struggle with this? Because we're afraid that God's not going to handle the situation the way we would. That's what Jonah did. If you don't know the story of Jonah, go read it. It's a really short book, a minor prophet in the Old Testament. But God told Jonah to go to Nineveh and preach repentance to the people. And Jonah didn't want to do it, so he ran the other way, got, got ate by a fish, and then spit out on the land and all these things. And then at the end of the story, Nineveh repented, and God spared them. And you know what Jonah said? Jonah said, you know, I didn't want to do this because I knew you were a gracious God. I knew you wouldn't handle my enemies the way I would have handled my enemies. That's why we struggle to love our enemies, to do good to those that hate us, and so on and so on. We need to have faith. Psalm chapter 56 says, Oh God, have mercy on me, for people are hounding me. My foes attack me all day long. I am constantly hounded by those who slander me, and many are boldly attacking me. Then it says this, but when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. I praise God for what he has promised. I trust in God. So why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? Friends, loving your enemies requires faith. Trust God for it. Now, you might look at that and say, okay, you know, I, I can do that. I can have faith in God. I can trust God. It's still really hard to love my enemy, though, because enemies cause me great pain. Enemies hate me. Enemies hurt me. They treat us horribly, and they don't deserve to be treated decently by us. How in the world can we possibly love them? Well, the Apostle Paul gives us some pointers here in Ephesians chapter 4. He says this, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Not only will loving your enemy require heaps of faith, loving your enemy is going to require heaps of forgiveness. We're going to have to forgive those hurts. We're going to have to forgive the haters for hating on us. We've got to set aside the natural responses and this Responses of bitterness and rage and anger and those harsh words and be tenderhearted and forgiving. 
How? Just like Christ was. Romans chapter 5, verse 10 says, For if while we were God's enemies, that's every one of us, we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? See, we were enemies of God. Not doing the right thing, even actively opposing him, just like our enemies do us. Not deserving his love, not even wanting it. But into that space, he sent his son, Jesus, to die for us. I don't get that. Do you get that? If you are actively opposing God, why would he send his son to die for you? Because he wants to grant you forgiveness. And that's the way he wants us to treat others. The same way he treated us. So when you look at your enemies and you think, there's no way I can love them. There's no way I can do good to them. There's no way I can treat them decently. Compare the way they treat you to your position with God. How did you treat God? How do you still treat God some days when we're not on our game, when he's not feeling that close? Friends, God forgave us way more than we will ever need to forgive someone else. He says, forgive your enemies the same way I have forgiven you. And then Jesus was the best example of this. In Luke chapter 23, verse 34, it says, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. You know when Jesus said that? When he was hanging on a cross. When his body had been broken, his blood was being spilled out for their sins. He said, Father, forgive them. It's powerful, friends. You may have heard of a lady named Corey Timboom. Corey Timboom suffered great atrocities in a Jewish concentration camp. Some of her family members were killed there. But this is what Corey Timboom said. You never so touch the ocean of God's love as when you forgive and love your enemies. A Holocaust survivor said that. It's powerful, friends. When we think about our enemies, what people have done to us, it's probably not the same is that it's probably not the same as what Jesus went through. So as we, we try to understand this and wrap this up, I want to encourage you today to, first of all, admit that you have enemies. Don't over-spiritualize it and think Satan's the only enemy. You actually do have enemies, and that's okay. It's how we treat them that matters. We need to determine how we're going to respond to them. How are you going to respond? Are you going to respond naturally? And take the actions of fight, flight, or freeze? Or will you maybe respond supernaturally? Supernaturally in faith, trusting God to handle the situations. And forgiveness, granting forgiveness to those who have been opposing you and hurting you. Father, thank you so much for your love for us, for your forgiveness. Thank you for giving us the faith to even believe in you. And Lord, uh, 
when we have people who oppose us, it's, it's hard. It's hard for us to naturally respond to them out of love and to do good and bless them and pray for them. But Lord, help us to realize that to some people we are also their enemies. And Lord, help us to treat those we view as enemies the same way we would want to be treated. And Lord, help us go further than that and treat them the way you've treated us, showing forgiveness. Father, thank you for meeting with us this morning. And Lord, now empower us as we go out from here to seek to treat our enemies the way you have called us to. In Jesus' name.